This is the Chi Chat Podcast with, with Chiquita Searle. It is great to be with you today. I am Chiquita Searle and this is your favorite time of the week, Chi Chat. Thank you as always for joining me today. So obviously I always start with a little friendly m- reminder because I want you all to download my Chi Chat Podcast. Um, my dad is still the only person listening, so that's really upsetting for me. So uh, if you could do a sister a solid and um, download it on iTunes, Spotify and Google Play, if you wouldn't mind. Also, don't be don't be selfish. Leave me a five star review. Uh, also, wanted to shout out to Bjorn for editing up. Um editing and uploading all the episodes because I would be totally lost without him. I do actually want to do a little shout out to my dad. Thank you, Alan, for um, persevering and making your way steadfastly through each of the Chi Chat episodes and then calling me to debrief on each one. So he has particularly been interested in the dating segments, funnily enough, so I'm unsure if this is a bad sign for mum. So Sherry, if you're listening, maybe you better pull your socks up. Uh, So I shall stop rambling and I am going to now introduce our special guest. I am delighted to announce that we have Leah Betts with us today. So Leah is very, very impressive. She is a serial entrepreneur. She runs six businesses, one of which is Keisha, which she co-owns with Instagram personality Sophie Keisha. And she also recently launched Royale by Lorinska with Lorinska Marrington from Netflix reality TV show Yummy Mummy. So you might know Lorinska from there. So Leah started her first company, which was a fashion brand called Hale in 2005, which she took nationally. And at its high was stocked in over 200 stores throughout Australia alongside brands such as Bettina Liano and Mink Pink. So I am definitely Leah's target market. So I know those brands very, very well and had several items of clothing hanging in my wardrobe from both. So Leah is going to be sharing a lot with us today. And it sounds, um, I think it can sound when someone has success like that, that it was a walk in the park. It happened really quickly and there were no challenges to overcome. However, that is very, very far from the case. Here, So Leah is going to be talking about the accident that she had when she was 17 that fractured her spine and left her in chronic pain, uh, how she came to be in fashion and then what the decision making process was like when she decided to actually close her fashion label at the height of its popularity and success, uh, the tanning mitt removal business she started after going to solariums and getting skin cancer. And how she came to be in business with Instagram influencers Sophie Keisha and Lorinska Merrington. So that's going to be a great story in and of itself. So welcome, Leah, and thank you for being here today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to have a chat with you today. Thank you. So Leah was actually meant to be on a couple of weeks ago, but I did get my wires crossed and accidentally um, cancelled my own show. Uh, so I, as with all my guests, I like to start in chronological order. So obviously that means your childhood. You were born in Perth, but you grew up in Melbourne. So tell us a, a little bit about your childhood? I had a wonderful childhood. I've got two older brothers, um, a supportive mum and dad. Um, And so, yeah, we grew up in Perth, moved to Melbourne, back to Melbourne, my family from Melbourne originally, um, when I was two years old. Uh, So, I don't remember Perth much. And um, yeah. And so, your mum, because I've obviously already told everyone that you did actually have your own fashion label called Hale, which is Leah spelt backwards. That's correct. You did point out to me kindly because I am obviously clearly a very obtuse. Um, But you did start in fashion very young and that was because your mum actually started her own fashion label in the mid-90s. So... How did that impact your life growing up? Because you did work with her on school holidays and um, yeah. part-time, didn't you? So my mum's always been in fashion. She was actually meant to be um, go overseas and model 
when she was young, when she was 18, but she had a car accident and her head went through a windscreen and she had 150 stitches in her face. So she ended up being a house model for a company called Mr. Simon. And um, there she was smart and tried to learn the trade. And so she learned everything from pattern making to the business to selling. And then she went and had kids and they actually offered her to take over the business with the daughter and didn't do that um, because it wasn't right for the family. So then she went and worked somewhere else and there she climbed the ranks and things there. At one stage, this man said to her, um, look at you in your high heels and your short skirt and things. And she said within three months, she had his car, his office and his job. Very good, Um, as it should be. Yes. And so, yeah, I've always been very influenced with her. She started her own business and I always worked with her in school holidays and things and learned it and just knew that's what I wanted to do at a young age. And so... What were you doing for her during school holidays? What job did you have? Did you have the best job because you're the daughter, or did you no, have the, I had worst the worst job? I had the worst job. So <laughs> when in when I was in um, high school, I did things like writing the labels, like one of two, one of hundred boxes, two of hundred boxes, and things because we had a lot of stuff going to Target. I did lock ties of little. Teddies. Oh, so she stocked Target. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. wow! So it was quite a successful business. Yeah, absolutely. We were number one supplier for Target, and we still are for twenty mums now, been running for twenty six or twenty eight years. Yeah. So what's the product? So we have done everything from sleepwear, outerwear, underwear. We do licensed products at the moment in Target. We do all their fairy dresses, the um, frozen dresses and things. Yep, so that's our product. And um, so, yeah, I learned. But then as I got older and started studying, I would work with a pattern maker and drawing patterns and cutting out samples and things. I was the first one who had to be, you know, clean someone's desk or do the crappy jobs. I, yeah, definitely didn't get treated like a rock star like oh, I'd hoped. Boo. <laughs> I would be onto my mum and be like, Mum, nepotism, please. <laughs> no, Mum always said you had to learn, you know, get the respect from everyone. So, yeah. And that's fair. I think that's fair. And I think sometimes when you have to work your way up the food chain, you value the experience more and you'll certainly learn a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what kind of – actually, I, I've just lost – oh, no, actually, pattern making. I don't know if I told you this when we had a, our brief chat before because um, I like to interview all my guests before you come on. Just of get the, the lay of the land. And I actually did a short course in – because I thought, because I liked clothes, that I'd be an amazing fashion designer. Uh, so I decided to take a, a short course at, um, where did, that was in TAFE, at the Mount Gravatt TAFE in Queensland. Okay. So I'm from Queensland. And, um, and yeah, pattern making was my really worst hard. nightmare. Yeah. Honestly, you have to have really high attention to detail, and I realised I do not. Our, our pattern maker um, at work is called Violetta, and she has patience, and she's amazing. I failed it at... Um, you know, I actually didn't officially fail it, but I'd, I didn't like to do the um, the actual real life. I, the, they do a thing called fifth scale and they're tiny. And I love to do that in the book and make it pretty and work out but the math and things. But it's literally if you're a mill out. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just... it's. Unbelievable. So I cheated a little bit in uni and take the stuff to work and go, can you please help? <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely be doing that. Thank you, Violetta. I needed you. So what kind of, speaking of the uni, what kind of student were you? So the first year I went to RMIT and I was having way too much fun in my personal life and so I dropped out. Ooh, um, had you discovered boys, Leon? <laughs> I had, I just discovered life. <laughs> and alcohol, decided boys clubs. and alcohol. <laughs> um, and so I left there um probably in the September, so I didn't last. I should have just finished the rest of the year, to be honest. Um, and the next year I went to the Melbourne School of Fashion mm-hmm. and then I worked for mum at the same time. So I did two days and two nights and that worked so much better. And then I was I took it very serious then. 
Well, as you should. This is your career. We must take our, <laughs> our careers very seriously. I think seriously I needed later. one year of wild and fun before I could actually oh God, settle down. I had a decade of it, so that was my. Oh, 20s. you don't get me wrong. I haven't uh, grown there's up. There's no judgment, <laughs> no judgment whatsoever. But I do want to talk about uh, something that happened when you were 17. So you did have quite a serious accident, which has left you in daily chronic pain. You don't talk about it very often uh, because I think um, I'm not sure boring. why. I mean, if it was me, I'd be telling it all in sundry how much how much of a superwoman I was. Um, um, but it's def- left what happened. Can you tell us about that incident and what happened and what's been the outcome for you? Yeah, so I was at rowing camp and in year 11 and I asked these kids, was it safe to dive? <gasps> and I dived into a river and hit my head and came up with blood down my face and my grabbed my hair and my hair came out. And I was too scared to tell the teacher. And then by the time I got back to the um, the motel that we're staying at, I was like, oh, I'm in a lot of pain. So didn't the teacher notice that you had blood sort of streaming no, down No, no, because we were walking back from the – anyway, I was, just okay. not, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time and yep. I wasn't meant to be there. Yeah. <laughs> I was definitely not meant to be swimming in the river. So you didn't want to really diving. bring attention yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my daughter now goes to the school, so I don't want to tell them how bad it was. So and you probably thought at the time, um, what's uh, worse, I really don't want to get in trouble for this. Yeah, and I just knew I was in so much pain. So anyway, I went and got checked out and things. At the time, it all seemed like everything was okay. But um, I actually got seven stress fractures through my spine. So seven stress fractures. Yes. Good Lord. And so then from then on, I always had chronic pain with my back from there. But then when I was in my early 20s, I had a bulging four and five discs and two protruding discs in my neck. And I had nerve damage down my right-hand side. And I had jumbo jets landing in my ear. Was this all just from the flow from, and effect, just yeah, from that accident? Yeah. And wow. so then I would just drive myself to hospital in so much pain. Have you had a surgery? No, no surgery. I've just been on lots of crazy drugs and things. So um, there's nothing you really can do with what is wrong with my back. As most of it's now nerve damage yep. and things. So I was on a drug called Lyrica, which I then put on like nine kilos in 13 weeks. And that was horrendous. And also sent me psycho. I um, was um, in my bedroom at one stage and had a glass of alcohol, which gets not much in your bedroom. But I didn't know where I was. Um, and then I was always told if I had children, I could possibly be in a wheelchair. And yeah, it was a really crappy time. My back was much worse in my early 20s than it was yeah, before then. This is Chit Chat with, with Chiquita Searle. So we are in studio with our guest, Leah Betts, who is a serial entrepreneur. She has started multiple successful businesses, all while dealing with chronic back pain. So Leah, you are in studio. Thank you for being here with us. No problem. Thanks for having me. So we just did cover on the fact that you dived headfirst into a, um, a river, which you shouldn't have been doing no, as been a 17-year-old, and you have now been living with chronic daily back pain ever since. Um, but you, you manage. I mean, you manage with it even though – and you have it – you certainly – because pain obviously can be very debilitating. So 1 to 10 on a daily basis, how, how bad is it? Well, it really depends on the day. So my biggest problem at the moment is that my pelvis isn't so stable from having my last baby. And so my biggest problem is lying in bed um, on my right hip. The pain goes down my leg and keeps me up at night. Um, But what I just said to you off the break was that I think when these things happen to you, you've got to decide whether you're going to like crumble or whether you're going to take it on head first. And I took it on head first and decided a long time ago that I wasn't going to let it break me. I was, you know, told that I, you know, might be in a wheelchair if I had a child, fell pregnant by mistake, but I was. Um, with <laughs> my husband since I was 18, you know, best mistake ever. I love her. Um, and she's nine now. And I was in hospital for a long time and 
Um, same thing with my second baby. It hurt a lot, but, you know, I'm going for a third now. And people say to me, you know, why would you do that? I'm like, I don't even remember the pain. It doesn't matter. At the end, you get, a, you know, a beautiful little baby at the end, so it's been worth it. So there's days that really do suck, don't get me wrong, and it hurts a lot. And, you know, most people at work can tell them by my face of how I'm feeling that day. Um, but I try not to let it rule my life. Well, it certainly hasn't uh, stopped you from getting on with things. So you actually started uh, your own fashion label, which I referred to in the intro, called Hale in 2005, uh, and you grew it to 200 being stocked in 200 stores nationally, which is amazing. So tell us about that, how you came to um, start the label and... Um, and how you built it so quickly. So I was working for mum at the time and I was running the children's wear account for Target. And mum said, you know, do you want to start your own label? And I said, yes. She said, why don't you call it Leah Betts? And I said, no, because if it's a flop, everyone <laughs> will know who I am. And so one of my best friends, Cassie, said, why don't you call it Hale? And it was Leah backwards. I said, okay, cool. And um, so, and it just went from strength to strength. It was exciting. I didn't necessarily design things that I was going to wear, but I had a really good team. And what most people don't realize is when I've started these businesses, I always had the backing of my mum behind. Like, so mum and I share the same stuff. We've got a patent maker, an import manager, an accountant, um, a warehouse, all these things. So the system so, and the structure was so the already system's there. there. So it's more yeah. that I have an idea and then I've got to kind of approach it and things. And so now mum and I have a team and we run both our businesses at, or she's got her own as well. And so, so the Hale was women's wear mainly? Hale, Only women's yeah, wear? women's wear. Do you remember your, your first collection, the first line? I do. There was a classic jersey dress that I didn't want any of my friends to have. They could have anything else in the range except for that. Why? And then my husband's <laughs> mum, like, um, got it and I was like oh, I'm never going to wear it again so um, but was that your favourite piece was that it a, was a my winner? favourite piece yeah, yeah was um, it a bestseller bestseller yeah we did thousands of them it was wonderful um, but so then Hale went got into lots and lots of stores and then we got agents in um, each state and I remember when it got into one of the agents um, in South Australia that had the mink pink and Bataliano and I was like oh my gosh popping champagne I've made it it was so exciting um, and anyway so we got into 200 stores but then the GFC hit and a lot of the stores weren't paying so then my account was like you know this isn't working this isn't working so, so what happened then so they weren't paying you had already sent the stockers because yes. how does it work for wholesale is it you send the stock and so then they've got 60 to 90 days that's to pay correct. Or? yeah so then I went online at the time and that was really new f- uh, was around the time that you know so 2008 global financial crisis yeah weren't paying so you went online built a website because that would have been because online shopping was not I had a really cool website and we had really cool um, photo shoots and things back then and um, I loved it I really I loved it loved it loved it and then after I started Hale and that was going really well and things online then I started my tan off business um, which I don't know if you want me to talk about now not yet with yeah no I will get to that but um, just back to Hale what because you had it stocked in 200 stores nationwide but then you closed it so what what you started 2005, global financial crisis hit 2018, went online. When did you close it? So, the, yes, this, these two kind of crossover. So I got pregnant, fell pregnant with my daughter by, you know, it wasn't part of my plan. I told, I'd always said I wanted to be pregnant at 28 and then I changed it to God, told him that I was 30 because I had so much going on and fell pregnant. And then I knew with my back it was going to be a big battle. So... um I ended up being in hospital for eight weeks. Can I just ask the emotion that you felt when knowing that you might end up in a wheelchair having after this pregnancy or throughout this pregnancy, how did you feel when you because obviously I knew you would have you wanted this child, obviously, but you personally knowing that potentially you'd come out of this with a child but also 
possibly paralyzed or in yeah. a wheelchair. So um, I don't think I was going to be paralyzed, but I was going to be in a wheelchair. Like I was going to be struggling to walk. So that yeah. was what I'd been told at 23. But I kind of, I've been someone that doesn't necessarily believe everything I've been told. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to do this. It was more that I was like, oh my God, I'm pregnant. I'm having so much fun in my life and I'm so busy with work. I've got to give up alcohol. I've got to give up alcohol <laughs> and cigarettes. I was like, ah. So, um, and I did another range at when I was pregnant, and I used to travel around the world. So, what year was this? Two thousand nine. So, two thousand and so we're two thousand and ten. Ten. Yep. And um, then, so what happened was I was still doing the range, and then I realised that I couldn't travel, and I knew when my back started to get bad towards Annabelle being born, um, I knew I wasn't going to be able to do the trips to China. Trips overseas for inspiration because that was before really online you got to do your research. So I used to be able to travel the world, then go to China, place the orders and things, and it was just like a fabulous life. It was so good back then. And so then it, I knew that I was going to be in trouble, and I had the Studio Kids Mums business, which I was the GM of and working on. Okay, so this is a separate business again. Yeah. So you had Hale plus you had started mums, another business. No, no, that's my mum's okay, business. Okay, your mum's business, which Studio we, Kids. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so then... And I had tan, had tan off then under my belt. Okay, so then you'd started another business. So tan off. Okay, so let's start. Go back to tan off now. Okay, so yeah. talk us about that because tan off is a, a tanning mitt removal business. And so this is two thousand nine. I think you started that from memory. Yes. Um, and the reason you started that because obviously fake tan wasn't a big thing back then. Because when I cast my mind back, I was a huge advocate of solariums. Yes. I was Love going them. to solariums. They were in the gym, and I was. And there were some just standalone solarium businesses, and I was a member of them all. Absolutely, and Body I did. Bro- because <laughs> I was in Queensland, I needed that tan. Uh, yeah. So I remember, and so I never wanted to wear tan because also I'm a sweater. It's not great, and fake tan also you sweat it off onto your clothes. Absolutely. So I just went always went the solarium. So you were a little bit before your time because back then, I mean, tans uh, weren't as prevalent as they are now. No. So I was obsessed with the tan, just like you. And I used the to put solarium. my head at yeah, I used to put yeah. my head at the other end of the tanning beds, and I was so brown. I was so put the oil on my face it was wonderful um and then i got a skin cancer spot and things and i was like okay on I your need. face so the first one was actually on my shoulder the okay. one on my face i actually got removed whilst i was pregnant when i just um with annabelle okay so but i had a mark and things and i was like okay i actually had three moles removed so one here one there and one on my back and i was like okay this- so Leah just pointed to her face. oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> we're on radio so. um and so i was like okay this is not good my stepmom had um gone to um, get a body scrub somewhere and they used this bit of fabric and she's like, oh, my tan came off with this scrub. And I was like, oh, can you go get back, you know, get me a bit of that material. Anyway, so then I flew to China with the material and said, you know, this kind of works, but we need to improve it. What is it? And then so we end up finding a crepe fabric and um, and a viscose and things and I would write numbers 1 to 100 all over my body, put on so much fake tan and scrub myself crazy in a bath at night time and then go back to the factory in the morning. so clear. And I run back to the factory in the morning and say, okay, this worked, this didn't work, I need a bit of this, I need a bit of that. And they thought I was mad and that's how the tan off mitt um, came about. So you did it because you saw, did you anticipate that solariums would be no, banned? No, Or did you no. believe that fake tan would just... 
take off a little bit more? Well, I just knew like growing up at school, I went to an all-girls school and there was other people who did fake tan or solarium, so everyone wanted to be brown. So I knew that I had to turn over the other side and be a fake tan girl. Yep. And I've been always growing up with dancing and things as well. Um, oh, good point. And so I just saw the gap in the market mm-hmm. and um, – then and then, obviously, the solariums got banned three years later. Mm, and Victoria is, I think, the first state in Australia That's to ban correct, yeah. solariums. And so, and so, how did it go? So, how, when you launched it, how did you launch it? How was it received? So, when I launched it, I was reading the Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss, and um, he was t- teaching you how to build a database and things. I think we've had this conversation before too. So, I actually at the time was my own virtual assistant and went around googling every single tanning salon, sending them letters and things. They all still didn't get it. Then I also got in the car and drove around um, to people trying to show them that this is how it's done. Um, we were contacted a PR company and Morrison PR, and they set up these big um, uh, meetings up in Sydney with all the magazines. At the time, I didn't have the correct product. I had this pink bit of fabric with a red bucket that didn't even match. And I went there and put my leg up on the table and said, this is how it works and things. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It was so embarrassing when I look back at it. Um, but I got in all the magazines, which was really exciting. And so it went well. But, I mean slowly over time the big companies copied it um, and they've done much better from my myths than I have so okay. it's now stocked in the chemist warehouse it's still going yours um, yes and it's called tan off it's called tan off that's so correct. if you're out there and you've got fake tan on and you've been struggling <laughs> to get it off tan off is your is your that's <laughs> the answer <laughs> your method of I'm still so proud of it because it works Absolutely. better than anyone else's I can tell you that um, so just on um, your pregnancy journey I just want to talk about that briefly I know that you've just um, you referred it to it before and you fell pregnant before you were ready and yes. then that um, put a little bit of a spanner in the works in terms of your career and then that ultimately ended, was why you decided to close Hale. Yes. But it, preg- becoming pregnant... Um, the first time you, it was quite easy. Correct. It was a, a you know, no, I don't want to say mistake. It was accidental. <laughs> she might listen to this one day. Annabelle, <laughs> you were loved. Uh. Um, but becoming <laughs> pregnant the second time round, um, nine years later, that was because through that period you've been trying. You've had eight miscarriages, an ectopic pregnancy, and several rounds of IVF. So that's correct. That on top of um, the daily pain that you experience. I mean, what kind of toll did that take on you? Um, so Annabelle was born in 2011 and then two years later I we fell pregnant and had an ectopic pregnancy. I was lucky that time that um, my tube was able to be flushed and um, I was able to keep my tube. And then I actually had a brother who was sick with leukemia at the time and so I put off having a baby for um, a little bit of time because I didn't think it was right. He's now very well and healthy, which is fantastic. Um, and then we tried and tried and um, then I went to the IVF because it wasn't working. And I have a great doctor called Dr. Kate Stern who was so supportive and wonderful and a great family. But I had to treat it like it was a business decision. I like I just would go in. They didn't even meet my husband. I'd go in. I'd have the appointment. You'd go in by yourself. Go in by myself. Wow. I'd go in. This is what's happening. You're a tough cookie, Leah. <laughs> <laughs> this is, you know, this is what's going on. And then, and do you want to celebrate any highs because they didn't necessarily always work out. And um just had to kind of pretend it wasn't happening, mm. to be honest with you, because to begin with, you'd tell everyone, you know, I got this many eggs and this went fertilized and then they died. And it was like, okay, do you know what? Best not to tell anyone. Best to kind of keep it to yourself because it is a roller coaster ride. It is only for the strongest who were prepared, do you know? In the end, I had an atopic pregnancy 
Um, and I text my husband and mum and said, oh, I've got to go into quick surgery. Um, I've left my keys at reception and my car's downstairs. And then I gave up on the IVF and the next month I fell pregnant naturally. Oh, really? Yeah. So both Annabelle and your and Grace? Unnatural, yes. Oh, wow, that is actually quite incredible. This is the Chee Chat Podcast. I'm here with Leah, Ge- Leah Best. She is my guest in studio today. I seem to be stumbling over my words. Bear with me. She's a serial entrepreneur she is the brains behind many many brands and she is sharing all with us today so oh, I have so many more questions for you Leah <laughs> I didn't Bring know where on. to start so into, I just want to talk about um, a little bit about the businesses that you have with Lorinska Merrington at Merrington I should say and Sophie Keisha so it, you started with Sophie Keisha in 2016 you went into business so tell us about how that partnership came to be and what you sell so I had a business um, in between the ones I've spoken about called Studio Play, which I did a childcare supply business. Um, and then from that, I did... Do you sleep? I just... You know, just <laughs> Not so well. And then I launched another one from there called Studio Party Shop. And that was a flop. So this is between Tan Mitt and then Hale, and then now you've uh, Studio Play was your mum's business. No, that's Studio Kids. Studio Kids Studio and Studio Play. Play is the childcare Care supply business. Supply business. Yeah. Okay, so how did that come about? So I had Annabelle, and then I put her into childcare about eighteen months, and I didn't like the products and things that I saw there. I was actually looking at building childcare centres with another family friend at the time, and we decided not to do that, and instead um, went into childcare products, and I came up with a system of colour coding the rooms to help stop the spread of infection. We did bibs, face washes, blankets, um, costumes, all these things. And I went and studied it for six months on Sundays, uh, Fridays and Sundays um, to learn the ropes and things behind it. And um, then Studio Play was born. And from that, I did Studio Party Shop. And that was a flop because I tried to sell the costumes I did in the childcare centres to the mothers and but in that time I approached the influencers to post it and at that time I approached Sophie and she was the only person who could sell these costumes for me and so I met her for a coffee and I said you know if you ever have an idea one day come and see me and she said actually I do have an idea I want to do these hats and I was like okay well come and see me. What kind of hat? They were a bucket hat at the time. Okay and this is 2016? Yeah and I was like oh we should do it in the triangle bikini fabric that would be amazing the um everyone's gonna love it anyway it was a flop no one (laughs) one of the freaking hats. How many did you manufacture? I think we made like 3,000 or something Did you sell them? We sold, we did sell, don't get me wrong, we did sell some of them, but not enough of them and I ended up giving some to the childcare centres. But people say they were some of the best hats they ever had, so that's always (laughs) nice to know. Um, And then we did rash vests and we did a t-shirt that we priced at the wrong price. So this is still with Sophie? This is with Sophie. Mm -hmm. And then we did... uh, So both of those flopped as well? They flopped, yep, absolutely. And then um, I was like, no, but she had the engagement. And so then I was like, why don't we do a pajama? Went to a design boot camp with my friend who runs that from Naked Ambitions, Fiona. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, here's an idea. Let's do pajamas. And my mum had been making pajamas for Target for however long that time, been like 24 years. And so then... I was like, let's make this black pyjama. And Sophie was like, let's make it leopard print. I was like, oh, I hate leopard print. She's like, but that's me. I'm like, oh, okay, all right. So, you know, with the button up for breastfeeding things because she was a um, yummy mummy at the time. 
And we did the pajama, and it went off like a frog um, in a sock. Yeah, I wasn't going to say that, but that's great. That's absolutely <laughs> that. It was amazing, and it was so exciting. And then we went from one pajama to two pajamas, and the rest is really history. There, it's now built a really amazing brand with such a amazing. So, did you dedicated- start just with the one product, the the leopard print pajama? Yes. And, and what's the fabric made out of? I've not ever. So it's just a pure cotton. Oh, 100% beautiful! Cotton. So yes. it breathes because my yes. mum always said only buy cotton underwear and pajamas. That's Jakita. correct. I won't say what she said after that though. <laughs> Shout out, Sherry. Uh, so, okay. So, um, well, so Keisha, it, it, it's now selling how many units a month? Well, I can't tell you that exactly, but oh. it's selling a lot of those. Okay, we're selling a lot of units a month. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so, what are the plans? For, were, was the business affected by COVID at all? So, we were really lucky during COVID that our um, we were just selling out and we could not meet the demands of what our customers wanted. And so, we just had to increase, increase, increase. And obviously, we had complications because of getting samples in time, um, lab dips, um, initial samples, pre-production samples, then getting containers on time. And we had our customers just so eager to to get the stuff and we were trying so hard and we're lucky that by June we were able to increase our um, quantities by five Mm -hmm. um, and we're then able to meet the demands of our um, customers which was amazing. So what other products do you have now? Is it just still pajamas or have you branched out? So we do pajamas but we also do some leisure wear. So we've got a Harry that people go crazy for and a Hudson Hood and and we're about to start launching. Um, we've got a kids wear um, tonight on sale, and then we're about to launch yeah a new kids wear brand um, later in the year. Well, same under the same brand, sorry, but um, we're going to branch out to kids wear. Okay, and so you just recently went through another launch yes. with Lorinska Merrington. She yes. is known um, by her fans as one of the yummy mummies on Netflix, and I think it was also on Channel Seven. Is that That's right? Correct. Yes. So, can you tell us a little bit about? It's called Royale by yes. Lorinska. So, yes. can you tell us a little bit about how that came to be and um, where that's at now? Yeah, sure. So. Lorinska's husband is actually a family friend of uh, mine and our mums are best friends. So Andrew, her husband, used to actually babysit me. Um, and so I've known Lorinska for 20 years. And um, after the success of Keisha, I approached her in May. I was pregnant with Grace, so 2019. And I already knew that she had some ideas and things and we got together and it took a real while till we actually gelled on like what I was like, you know, we should do this and we should call it this. And she's like, no, we should do this. And I was like, oh, God. And anyway. So what were some of the products that you or the ideas that you threw Well, around? I really just wanted to really calm. I only wear black, like, you know, black <laughs> range. Just Literally just want to design for myself. And she's like, no, I'm bright and fun. She's and full of color. She's full of color and she's full of life. Mm. And um, so... We just did a lot of like around around circles. We did some design thinking with with Fiona again and trying to work out what she thought was right and what I thought was right and what I thought I could make and what she thought she could sell. Um, and then we finally came up with the Mini Me collection. So we've got a Mini Me collection and then we've got a Mini Mum collection. So um, the Mini Me is obviously Lorinska with her daughter and then the Mini Mum is, you know, her and her mother range that, you know, oh, that we can do. Okay. Um, and so what kind of clothing? So at the moment we're just doing all tracksuits and things. Okay. We've got a jacket coming out in a few weeks mm-hmm. um, and just, yeah, comfy clothes. So how did the launch go? The launch was amazing. We had 17,000 people online on the um, opening night, which was just brilliant. Oh, God, these are numbers that I can only dream of, Leah. <laughs> um, and Teach me. They just She's got a real loyal following, just as Sophie does too, um, that – you know, they don't get to those kind of numbers of followers without not being committed to their audience. So that's a, you know, testament to both of them. Oh, absolutely. And 
it takes time to build an engaged audience. It doesn't happen yes. overnight. And I mean, Lorinska had a, the platform of, of Yummy course. Mummies, which obviously would have been very helpful, but it's great to see her now leveraging that. Yeah. Um, because I think, yeah, I mean, you put in the effort, you need to see reap some rewards. Yeah, absolutely. So COVID, let's talk about COVID because obviously that was personally quite challenging for you. Yes. Your um, husband, um, I mean, you just had, you had Annabelle, so I had, yeah, had, you had just had Grace and your then husband had to <laughs> then go to Germany, was it, for three months? Yeah, so um, I had Grace on the 4th of January. That was wonderful. My nine-year-old was a little bit shocked. It was actually so hard. <laughs> what, for, I'm not an only child So anymore. it was really hard for both of us. I remember one day we were making some banana muffins and then Grace woke up and she looked at me and she cried and I cried and I was like, oh my God, I'm sorry I had this child, but I love her, love you. Anyway, we found our feet. Then, of course, I sent Annabelle to a new school, so that wasn't my smartest move. So she started the new school eight weeks. Grace was eight weeks. I went back to work. Ten weeks, COVID hit, and I was oh just God. like, oh, my God. And I was never great at school anyway, so this homeschooling, oh. I was trying to work, and I was a terrible breastfeeder, terrible, terrible, terrible breastfeeder, and so I was trying to do that. And anyway, I had this nanny come into my life at, I think, like 12 weeks or something, and she just whisked my little baby and wrapped her up and made everything okay. And then, obviously, Annabelle was just struggling with the whole fact of life being different. And then my husband went to Germany in the July for three months because his dad was ill and he got stuck there. So I just kind of got drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, come so on. he was away for about three months, yeah, wasn't he? Was he? Away for a significant period of time, especially during lockdown, especially when you can't see people. You've got a newborn, you've got a, a, you know, a nine-year-old struggling with <laughs> the newborn you're not breastfeeding well. you've got multiple say, businesses I was helping Dan Murphy's with their sales let me tell you so but I actually live in the same building as my mother so um she that's handy um was able to Mom come to every rescue. yeah in the mornings and things mm. and I actually have a wonderful support network and because I was then considered a single parent I was able to go visit one family so I went to, on a Saturday to see my dad He's got three other kids and um, that kind of, you know, kept Annabelle a little bit busy. And then once he, – when he was stuck there, school then went back too. So then Annabelle kind of had a bit of a, a schedule and things. But, yeah, granted, it wasn't great. But in saying that, I was lucky. I had my career. I had my kids. I had the health. I had money coming in. I didn't lose anything. So, uh, you know, I was very – I look at it being fortunate Um you know, I've got some bad habits from it probably from drinking too I much. Think we all have picked um, up some bad but habits. you know, I think it's also it was a year of making resilient and realizing what you had mm. and you know, it made me realise I've got a wonderful life. And so did any of your businesses actually suffer through COVID? Yeah, so our child Besides the shipping and that kind of thing that affected yeah, the manufacturing so our process. Childcare business um, wasn't doing great at all because mm. um, well, they were shut, they were they? shut and mm. things. But um, that's now, you know, picked up gangbusters in fact. And um, then my tanning mission obviously people weren't tanning, so that wasn't um, doing so great. Um, but then the um, target was still doing well and um, what have I got? Fairy dresses. I've got a fairy dress brand as well. That wasn't, you know, no one was actually going to party. So they all leveled out, you know, and because, you know, um, two of them were doing really well and the others, you know, it was fine. So have there been any moments where you've just wanted to throw the towel in or are you still very much in love with your no, businesses? No. I think what happens is just the risk gets bigger. Mm. So, you know, every time that um, you're about to do something new, the stakes get higher. You have more knowledge about what you've already learned previously. Um, 
So, but really, it is a roller coaster ride. The adrenaline keeps me going. I love that, you know, how many people are going to be online. You know, I love like analyzing the conversion rates and all that. And I love seeing what people, you know, people want to buy. You know, I'd, um, I still love every bit of that. Don't get me wrong. My daughter hasn't been sleeping that well of late. Um, and some days I sit at the end of the bed and think, oh my God, can I do it today? But, I really, I have such a great team at work. Mm. They like family, like, and my husband works at, at runs logistics at work too, and so I'm so supported. And my life is my work and my life, like my children, it's all one thing. I don't feel like I've got to go to one to the other, or I've got to be away from one or the other. Like it all just seems to merge into one thing, and I'm really lucky like that. So if I've got an appointment or if I need to go to pick up from school or do anything like that, I've got the freedom of that. So that's very different to people who are like locked at a desk from nine to five. And so what would you credit your business success to? Because you have enjoyed immense success, even though you do tend to play it down and stay behind the scenes, preferring to push other people to the forefront, (laughs) which is why also I wanted to get you on today because I think you've had great success and I think you're a great business brain, but um, you tend to sort of stay in the background. So, yeah, yeah, I I think there's two questions in that. Why do you choose to stay in the background? And also why? what do you credit your business success to? So one, I'm crazy. I really, (laughs) I am crazy. I go so fast. I miss words when I talk at work. I just, I send myself emails like in the middle of the night and that's what keeps me alive. So yeah, I think being crazy and having ideas and like I will say to mum on a walk in the morning, oh, I've got an idea. She goes, please don't. I'm like, but it's a good one this time. Um, so I love that. And so what was the other question? And what do you credit your business success to? I think having the platform for my mum. Like mm. if I didn't have, you know, I could launch this or I could do that or I had, um, you know, even when I was at uni, I had a pattern maker who could help me do something or someone mm. could sew up my garments so I'd get an A+. Um, I've had the platform of her and her knowledge. Don't get me wrong, we fight and say, you know, do you like this? Do you not like this? And we can we can bang heads, but I've been very lucky to have that platform, and without that, I wouldn't have been able to jump from one to the to another. Do you have any future plans for the businesses that you can share with us today? Um, I would like to launch another business every year for the next three years. Is kind of the aim. Um, at the moment, we're just trying to get Keisha internationally. You know, that's our next big step. Yes. And obviously, Whole, is it whole, stocked whole, in wholesale no, anywhere? Or just no, online at the just moment? online okay. things. So we're going to do some storefronts and things for a few of the countries. Mm-hmm. And we're launching the children's wear hopefully by September, and hopefully some men's for wear for Keisha. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and for Lorenzka's range, I've just got to see where it takes. At the moment, I've got to just we've got four or five different things coming out. I've got to see what the clickbait is, what people like. But I've never been more proud of the product that we've just done. It looks just fantastic. I have um, seen it, and it does look great. Yeah, just the attention to detail and things. Because it's a slightly different price point, um, I think it's going to be very exciting. I can't wait to see the return rate on that. So we are coming to the end of our hour, Leah, but I always like to put my guests on the spot and do the five and five. Sure. So I'm going to hit you with five questions and just off the top of your head, you have to respond. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. (laughs) Best advice your mum ever gave you? Don't ever ask anyone to do anything that you won't do yourself. Ooh, good one. Bad habit you're trying to break? I'm a smoker, so I really need to give that up. Biggest fear? My biggest fear would be that I'm not going to be there for my girls to grow up. Last time you cried? I cried everything. <laughs> I do, seriously. I used to even cry at home and away. I can cry at any, any ad, anything. Oh, it's terrible. A song that describes you? 
I don't know if I have a song that describes me, but I can say that if there's ever music in a dance floor, you'll always find me on it. So thank you so much for your time today. So how can people reach out if they want to follow you or connect with you post this show? Um, I have an Instagram page and mm-hmm. I don't even know what it is. But it's at Betts underscore. <laughs> <laughs> and you can always contact me through there. Happy to help. And also Leah has her own website, leahbetts.com. Oh, thanks so, so much. Thank you, Leah. <laughs> thanks for having me. This is the Cheat Chat Podcast.